my dear audience, I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. This morning I was thinking about those thoughtful emails I have been receiving from the audience. Thank you all those who wrote them to me. I, I love, really love receiving your emails. Uh, Jim actually wrote to me the latest email. You keep asking us what we want to learn, what we want to talk about, what we want you to talk about, and what about you? What would you prefer to share with us? That's a, such a thoughtful and nice and kind uh, question. Well, Jim, you probably started listening to me not that long ago. Originally, almost three years ago, December 1st, will be uh, precisely three years since I started doing this show, I wanted to share with my audience all the tools that I learned or developed in over 40 years of my clinical practice, Jim. And also, my hope was that people would start sharing the challenges that they face in their lives and ask questions about overcoming those challenges. I had a good role model. For years, I was driving from Rutland County, where I was living in New York um, a while ago, uh, and I was driving to New York City, where I had my office, and I listened to WBAI's show, The Positive Mind, with Armand DeMille, who was a clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and author, and um, radio show host. And people were calling in, and that was exactly what he was doing. He would work with people trying to help them in dealing with real problems. Armand DeMille died in 2015. So when Gary Null asked me to do my show in 2020, Armand was my inspiration. But for some reason, maybe it's the sign of the times, or maybe it's me, uh, but people are not calling that much. Uh, and frankly, uh, I covered pretty much all the tools I knew by the summer of this year. If someone is interested, in fact, in those tools, they could go back to the archives and study all the tools one by one. I do not want to repeat myself. So I was facing uh, an existential crisis or whatever you want to call it to end the show because I run out of subjects or to start a new topic which would not I would not run out on. Um, and so that's when I thought of the tools that I have been studying for years and years and still did not feel that proficient. And you know, you teach what they say, the saying goes, you teach what you need to learn the most. So, and the tool, that tool I do my inspiration from. Um, and you know what tool I'm talking about. It is the Bible, five books of Moses, the Torah, as Hebrews call it. Uh, that's what I have been doing for the last nine shows. Some people wrote very good, nice emails, 
about me taking this turn in our journey. But this turn coincided with what happened in the Middle East. Uh, since these events touched me, the events of the Middle East touched me very personally, I have, have been vocal about where I stand regarding what has been happening. Just as I was when Russia started a war with Ukraine, where I was born and lived till the age of 26. And two weeks ago, uh, as I have been doing every other month, I asked the studio people how many listeners I had. And it appeared that I lost two-thirds of my audience. Honestly, uh, it did not get me upset or disappointed. It is what it is, and I cannot be or say, to say more accurately, I don't want to be any other way. So I say what I feel is true to me. But I have been wondering if this was my new subject, exploring the Bible, that made people stop listening, some people stop listening, or it was my political views. Well, I am still here for you, ladies and gentlemen, to guide you on a journey to healing, health, maintenance, and self-discovery. If you call me with your questions, you can ask me anything about imagery, self-healing, spirituality, particular illnesses, and the mind-body approach to healing those illnesses. But to complete answering Jim's question, what I am interested in talking about right now, this very moment, it's definitely what is happening in the Middle East. Because I'm more and more convinced that what is happening there is an indication of what is happening with the whole Western civilization. Hamas and those who cheered its great achievements, the Black Lives Matter, and those university professors and students, all those marching on the streets, cheering Hamas, protesting against Israel, they started it before Israel started its retaliation. And even though there are no more, by different polls, uh, there are no more than 20% of our population they are all part of much, a much greater catastrophe that I believe afflicted this country and all of the humanity for that matter for the last 40 years. These tragic events uh, uh, that started on October 7th just served as a catalyst or what they call a litmus test, making clear who is who. Uh, but I'm not going to expand on this, otherwise I will get carried away. And I have a lot, a lot of information on the subject. Unless you want me to expand, if you call and want to start a dialogue about it, I will just move on. If you want to call uh, with whatever question or comment, you're uh, welcome to do it today. Uh, I have here Gina from the Bronx. Well, happy Gina is calling. Gina? You're on the air. Hello, Gino. Just move on. If you want to call with whatever question or comment, you're welcome to do it today. Uh, I have here Gino from 
I have here Gino from the Bronx. Well, happy Gino is calling. Gino, you're on the air. Hello, Gino. Hello? Hello. Yes, Gino. So, now, now I Hello. hear you. For a short time, I was just hearing repetition of my words. It's kind of worth yeah, I was trying to lower my, uh, my iPad. Oh, oh okay. you. Yes. Gina, thanks for that. So, so listen, I have a first question for you, uh, Peter. Uh, yes. Over a year ago, uh, actually closer to time, even more than a year ago, I had mentioned about Edgar Casey. Oh, you called. You had, yes, I remember you calling. And now you know. Yes, and you said you were going to refer it to some of your students and do some digging and information and research. And what is the result of that? That's one question. Uh, I have to tell you, you called a year ago. Um, and I don't remember now, frankly. But if you, since you're on the air, remind me in regard of what? Uh, well, you asking well, the, a genuine question? I know about Edgar Case. I know somebody who's really a scholar of Edgar, Edgar Case's work. But what was your comment or question regarding him? Well, I wanted to know if you would do a show about him. And there's only one author left out of ten over the, since he's passed in 1945. There's only one author out of the ten who did biographies on him who's still alive. He was sick uh, some months ago for a few months. That's Sidney Kirkpatrick and his wife Nancy, and he wrote a book uh, in 2000 called American Prophet. I know you said there's no more prophets, but we could go with another title with another man who was a, did his PhD on him, Armand DeMille, uh, Armand DeMille uh, Harmon Bro, and uh -huh. there was a minister and a psychologist, and he wrote a book called A Sea Out of Season. So to not uh, contend over a word, uh, in my opinion, what's going on in Israel, what's been going on in America, what's been going on for for years, thousands of years, is I think it is a spiritual problem with us humans. Hence, it is a spiritual solution, but not intellectualized alone, because that has led to more wars and deaths than anything. It's an actualization, putting into practice what the Bible talks about. Now, I read the Bible five years ago for the first time in my life at 62 at that time. And I discovered that things I learned from yoga teachers, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, Satchitananda, Kriyananda, uh, you name it, they all basically saying the same thing, the body's a temple, of course, Gary's show. And I discovered from Adam and Eve that the diet was uh, prescribed to be a vegetarian diet, let the seed-bearing tree bear as our meat, meaning food, so that's nuts, grains, beans, and fruits, seeds. And then you go on. So they'll tell you most religious people, God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But then there's like religious lawyers who come in, and not uh, uh, conscientious ones, I believe. Because then you go to Daniel after the fall, and he tells the king, Nebuchadnezzar, let us have beans and grains, no meat. My, uh, their skin was without blemish, and God used uh, Daniel to get the Jews out of Babylonia. Then you go on, you got 2,200,000 Jews coming out of Egypt after 400 years, and they got tired of the manna, most of them, and they wanted meat, like in Egypt, and God says, you stubborn, stiff-necked people. And only two people out of 2,200,000 above 40 years old made it to the promised land, Joshua under Moses and Caleb. The rest were under 40, which is the age you have to, supposed to be to study the Kabbalah, the mystical part of Judaism, that were actually not too brainwashed, and they continued on to the promised land, where where, where uh, uh, 
Joshua said, choose today good evil life or that I serve a living God. And then the Essenes with the Dead Sea Scrolls, I saw them 10 years ago in L.A., some of them, and it said they had a simple diet, nuts and grains and beans and seeds and fruit. Now, the point is, there's a reason why we don't live the length of a turtle over 300 years. We're breaking immutable laws, and most religious people will not talk about that and the 6 million children, which is equivalent to 6 million Jews killed in the Holocaust, as horrendous as that is. We have 6 million children, which I hardly heard anybody talk about. So all these little factors going over the years and decades that I've been observing this, it's not surprising for me what's going on everywhere in the world. So that was one issue that I thought, uh, you know, the highlight of my my shows with you, when when, when you did the uh, uh, Wim uh, Hoff, that was a beautiful show. Uh-huh. But Edgar Casey got put in the side, the side. Yeah. Even Gary said he would do a documentary on him 15 years ago, Edgar Casey. And this is to me, we talk too much about the problems. We're not talking about our great spiritual teachers that God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Where are they today? They're very few as they were in the old days. There's only one Moses, only one Muhammad, only one Jesus. And uh, we have very few. And in America, Edgar Casey is the most, it's a fact, the most documented spiritual religious leader that we have, everything was documented. The New York Times had two pages in 1910, Farmer Boy Becomes Doctor When Asleep. He never went beyond a great education, and he did not read. So I know I'm going long-winded, but I'm trying to get across that this is overlooked, and that's why our hands are up in the air, and we see the horrendous situation with all these children being killed on both sides. So I was disappointed when you mentioned about Zelensky before, over a year ago, like Phil in California, you're praising a guy who worshiped and is hanging around with Nazis, and you didn't say nothing about the 14,000 Russians who owned a lot, the 14,000 were killed, not allowed to practice their religion. You were silent about that, Peter. And then to no. still praise him again recently, and then not to discover the work of Miko Pellid or Elon Pape or uh, no. Daniel she... Cohen, L.B. Martin, Noam Chomsky. I think you need to do a little more research because you're too. Hello. One side about Chief. Israel, and you're Chief. adding Chief. flames. You're adding wood to the flames. Hello. You lost most of your your audience. Gino, can you hear me? And your nephew warned you about this to be careful to go into this, because then when you go into reading the Bible, and they quote that uh, Netanyahu said about burn, kill all women and children and the animals, and you want to test that, and you want to teach the Bible to us. Okay, okay. Go ahead, your turn. You guys. Hello. Excuse me. Can yes. you hear me? I do. Oh, okay. Sorry, because I thought you didn't hear me. Gino, thank you very much for calling, and you're bringing up so many interesting uh, questions. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but the reason I <laughs> was trying to interrupt you and to stop you, because there are so many things you're bringing up, and I would love an opportunity to, to address some. But you were speaking for a long time, and... Well, you have a show for years, Peter. Take it up, because everything I just commented on, you can fill in the blanks and fill in the holes of the Swiss so, cheese, because uh, it's, it's, you got the show. I don't. I'm only on for a few minutes. But, but my point, I've been listening to you for years, and there are certain things that you have been overlooking and neglecting, and we all point our finger, and I got three pointing at me right now, so I examine my life. But you said you didn't mind you lost most of your audience. If I lost one person to my a misunderstanding, I feel bad. And you yeah. said all the psychics, you just, you know, they all have egos. We all have ego, Peter. Yeah. Humility is one of the keys to growing. And, and Zelensky is only on three yeah. rungs of his ladder 
which you say collect is about we're discovering climbing the ladder of ourselves. Gina, Gina, can you hear me? I hear you very well. Yeah, thank you. you. It needs to be a dialogue. You need to pause and let me respond because otherwise what you, you made so many valuable points but I was not able to write them all down. I want to address every one of them because every you one of them. Show. You can hear it. It's on archives. So let me let me start now. I will try to answer some of the issues or respond to some of the issues you brought up. First, about Edgar Casey. Uh, I now made an, a note. Uh, one of my my very best students, Christopher, uh, actually is great a great fan of Edgar Casey. He subscribes to um, uh, whatever website they have, and, and he reads books on Edgar Casey. And possibly I will invite him and somebody else to talk about Edgar Casey, because indeed I believe Edgar Casey was one of the greatest psychics or prophets of 20th century. So, you, by the way, you mentioned Zelensky, and you said that I like Zelensky. No, absolutely not. I believe that you know I cannot like. A president um, of the country that enlisted as part of Ukrainian National Guard is uh, Division SS Galicina that was part of the Nazi army when when um, Ukrainian nationalists joined uh, Hitler, and now they still proudly wear this insignia SS Galicina. So for sure, I'm not. Um, a fan of Act Zelensky. Act out the ideology. Act out the ideology. They ain't just wearing things. They've been murdering civilians for eight years before anybody. They never reported it on the news here. And Absolutely. the man you can see looking at him, he's a low chakra person. Jim, uh, he 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 wanted to do a preemptive strike against Russia. How nuts is he? No, no, Jim. Okay, right. so if he bombed the country. Let let me try to uh, to address issues that you already brought up because we could go. It's a huge subject. I agree with you. Probably you and I could. Uh, go over a number of issues regarding this horrific war between Ukraine and Russia, and most of, of the issues we probably agree on. So, but I don't want to deal with it right now, because you brought up many other very valuable uh, questions, and the Are most profound Gina, let me finish. The most profound statement that you made was that what is happening now in the Middle East uh, must be addressed as a spiritual event, and we need to use spiritual means. That's that's absolutely fantastic. On the grand scale, it is it is so true, and I have been thinking about it, and um, it's kind of even frightening to go there. But I agree with you that it is a spiritual issue. Uh, we did not, as humanity, we think, oh, this. Hamas committed this horrific thing as if it's first time in human history. No, this is indeed the history of humanity. What do you think happened when, when uh, Mesopotamians uh, captured, uh, captured Israel? What did they do with the babies? What happened with uh, with uh, Mesopotamians, when 
Persians captured Mesopotamia. What did they do with their babies? And what happened when... to Atlantis. You could go back to Atlantis. We've been here millions of years. But the point is, it's always a small group, Peter. I like you, Peter. That's why I'm even speaking and calling you. I was, I was pretty upset when I heard some of the things you were saying and not looking at what I would see as a bigger picture. I don't have the whole picture, but I've done a lot of research in the last few weeks about folks who live in Israel, folks who, Gabriel Mate, who went there and cried every day for two weeks. I hardly seen anybody speak from their heart and their head the way he did. He was good up as Zionist. Most of the people I've been studying, their grandparents were killed by the Nazis, both sides of the family, except for the mother and father. And they lived there, and they were Zionists. And for them, for them, I've seen recently some of the Orthodox rabbis getting beaten up by soldiers. This, is a, this guy that's in charge there is as bad as the guy we have here and the people we've had here. I'm not exempting America. We all have taken a bite of the apple thinking we're superior to everybody else. It's a content of character, not a race or a color or a religion. I accept what Martin Luther King said, that one person on the side of God is a majority, like you said last week, to speak up, to be courageous, to speak up to that issue uh, in terms of what the, the tribes we grew up in. I, you know, they're Italians. I'm Italian-American. I wouldn't want some Italians living in my building because of their behavior. I don't go because, oh, they're Italians. I, I belong to them. Only in fear would people get together with others uh, uh, that they grew up with a similar blood or a family history line, uh, a country line. But if we go deeper on the ladder that Colette reminded us all, and other people like her, remind us to keep climbing to our, our thymus, our heart center, our thyroid, our will, our all-seeing eye, where Jacob wrestled with the angel, a place called Paneo, that doorway between the spirit and the flesh. Israel is about a search for a search a seeker for God. It isn't one group. That's why if you read the Bible carefully, there are people who are not even Jews that God, God actually used and helped and saved so it isn't, and if you go into that one thing that I'm superior, the world will never be, will never be a peaceful place. Not that it has been for, uh, for a long time, but we're entering the beginning of the Aquarian age where people are going to have personal experiences, not beliefs or hopes or wishes, personal experiences. No, we are not less than water. We are spiritual beings. We all come from the same mother and father, whether Arab, Hebrew, Jew, uh, Greek, Jew, uh, Hindu, uh, atheist. We all come from the same being. Even the parts of the Bible I grew up with, I never heard about reincarnation. Uh, Elijah, 1,000 years B.C., uh, uh, Malachi, three, three pages, the last Old Testament prophet. I, God said, I will send Elijah before the dreadful day of the Lord. Now you took another turn. Yeah, I want to thank you for calling. I will do my best to address a number of issues that you brought up, even though I will not be able to, to do it all today. But I promise you, I will speak on the next show about Edgar Casey, not about him, but when we actually will invite somebody to talk about it, because indeed uh, Edgar Casey is a person who needs, whose work needs to be acknowledged, and people can benefit from reading his books now. So thank you very much for calling, Gino. Okay? So... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, what Gina brought up as a, as a monumental uh, question or, or issue to address is that we are trying to address any conflict logistically, meaning militarily, if it's a, it's a war. But we forget about the spiritual implications of the struggle, of the, of the war, whatever conflict we're dealing with. I could talk now, I could spend time 
and talk about that issue. But I feel uh, we took already some time addressing this, and I want I want to continue to talking about the Bible today, and I want to give you kind of an assignment. That's what I'm used to doing because of my work. I usually work with people. Uh, with, the, with their problems, physical, mental, emotional, and I always give them assignments. So I would like to give you an assignment. I want you to think, because I believe also Gina is absolutely right, uh, that it's not only a uh, land issue, dispute between what they call Palestinian uh, group of people and the Hebrews. It's a huge spiritual issue and the spiritual issue again as Gina mentioned it goes way way back uh, to the beginning of humanity uh, when what Gina said eat the apple but of course in the Bible we know um, Adam and Eve did not eat the apple that's just a drawing the painting of uh, Michelangelo and other uh, painters who decided that it was an apple, and it was not. It's written simply the fruit of the tree. Uh, but from the time of the, uh, Adam and Eve tasting from the fruit of the tree, from the tr tree of good and evil, they opened themselves to evil, to the world of experimentation, to the world of not listening to the word of God, but trying on their own. And we see what has been happening. Only slaughter, only pain. And our job, of course, is to come back, again, as Gina said, through self-mastery, or my teacher Colette, through climbing the ladder of ourselves, to come back to that godliness. Now, how can you come back to godliness right now, when, for example, uh, what happened in... Uh, in the Middle East, uh, people were slaughtered in the most inhumane way, and now uh, most people who who are thoughtful, who are not following certain preconceived notion and commi commitment to, uh, for example, getting rid of this destruction of the state of Israel, uh, those who think uh, politicians. Uh, generals like General Petraeus, Supreme Commander of uh, the United States forces in the two wars, they all understand that Hamas needs to be eliminated. Uh, of course, civilians are caught in between, and that, that, that's a tragedy that was initiated, and, and knowingly that it will happen, initiated by Hamas. Uh, but if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, again, I will not expand on it. I would like you to think about it. How, if we were to look at it from spiritual perspective, how we could not only understand the conflict, but how we could address, as Gina recommended, address the issue from spiritual perspective. And is it possible where... 34 to 35% of population, for example, in the United States, consider themselves atheists. So can we all address uh, real events in the world 
through spiritual, by using spiritual means. I would love to hear your opinion. Okay? Let me continue. And then we'll talk about it again next week if, you, if you're interested. Okay? Just come up with your ideas and I will be happy to respond. Uh, so, I, I want to... Yeah, well, let me do a little show and tell. Yes, yes. I just read on, on internet um, something that Morgan Freeman wrote, and I love this actor. Self-control, and it goes with what Gina was saying, self-control is strength. Calmness is mastery. You have to get to a point where your mood does not shift based on the insignificant actions of someone else. Don't allow others to control the direction of your life. Don't allow your emotions to overpower your intelligence. That's quite profound. It's a very good idea. The only thing is, how do you go accomplishing it? How do you stay calm and not allow your feelings to overpower your intelligence? Uh, I believe that requires practice, watchfulness, becoming aware of your feelings and whether or not you emote them and they become emotions. Remember, feelings and emotions are different. Feeling is something what you feel inside. Emotion, the word emotion comes from Latin root immovere, which means to move out. So you move your feelings out, that becomes emotion. So everybody feel, hears, hears and sees it or experiences it. But whether it's emotion that you expressed and then you know everybody experiences it and possibly you have relief, uh, or if it's a feeling, you may not allow it to come out, but it may be destroying you from inside. So how do you learn not to allow those feelings to overpower your intelligence, and that is to, that you would act appropriately, or not allow your feelings to destroy you? My, and I, I definitely deal with it. I have been dealing with this problem for decades, because a lot of people uh, tell me they know better. They know, for example, they shouldn't get in an argument with such and such person. But once that person, what they call, presses the button, they explode. Well, my answer is usually, you have a button. So then you, you act like, uh, respond or react like a machine. The button is pressed and you go, you go off. So, again, to master your feelings, you need to be in touch with them, fully connected with them, fully aware of the intricacies of the feelings. Not, I am pissed, but I feel disappointed, or I feel insecure, or I feel rage. Whatever you experience, so it becomes immediately not something that you want to spill out, but you want to connect with. The, the feelings that you have are your emotional barometer of where you are. So, when you see something happening, 
remember that your feelings are not just mental or emotional, but they are physical events in the body. If it's a true feeling, let's say if you are scared of something, that's a feeling, I feel scared. So then there is a constriction in the body. If you have a feeling of elation, of openness, of, of joy, you will notice your chest is open, you take a deep breath, you inhale deeply, just like if you come to the peak of the mountain, you go, <gasps> you take a deep breath. So our feelings are physical events in the body. And it's very important. Excuse me, I just had a sip of my favorite ginger tea. So it's important if you notice some negative feeling, rather than being led by it, pause, pause, make a, an effort and just identify, I feel this and this way, give it a name. And then, once you give it a name, rate it on a, in, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, as 10 being super strong and 1 very little. What happens is when you engage this way, your feelings, you are beginning to be feeling control over those feelings. You can even say, as now, when I, my, my feeling of anger is number seven, uh, you begin to breathe slowly. You, you see that number seven. Don't see what makes you feel that way, but just look at the number itself, and you breathe out on that number. You breathe in normally, breathe out slowly. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. What it does, it stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. It stimulates quieting nerve that called vagus, from which goes from medulla, your brain, to the heart, lungs, and stomach. And so you begin to relax. So when you begin to relax, then you're already able to use your intellect and make decisions that are right for you. Okay? So that's the beginning. Again, if you want to continue to me talking about self-mastery, uh, and I spoke about it many times in the past, but if you would like me to talk about it again, please bring up this um, statement, remind me of the statement of Morgan Freeman about mastering your feelings and not allowing them to overpower your intelligence, you can call me next week or send me an email and I will continue talking about it. Here is another email, no name, and um, a, a person is saying, uh, how do I deal with everyday anxiety about life? I feel unsafe. Well, the simple answer is, for a person who has faith, if they are open to consider uh, that there is such thing as higher consciousness or God, which is running the whole show, for that person the answer is relax. You relax on the plane, even though you don't know the pilot. You relax on the ship, even though you don't know the captain. You relax on the bus, even though you don't know who the driver is. Why don't you relax in life, knowing that God is in total control? 
but you may say, what about a person who doesn't believe in God? Uh, well, then uh, you have to accept life is unpredictable. Life is uncertainty. It's true, we don't know. Uh, I gave a long time ago the statistics. In 2019, 170,000 people woke up in the morning, went about their day, made plans for vacations, calculated how much money they need to save, and 170,000 people died accidental death from falling, uh, poisoning, being poisoned, uh, being struck by a car, car accident, all different kinds of uh, fire, 170,000 people. So, anybody did not happen to you. Why? We don't know. We don't have an answer. You take a risk every single day. And you have to learn that uh, life is uncertain and, and therefore you have to live fully every day. You know, when Dalai Lama was asked, uh, what surprises you most about people, he said, they live every day as if they will never die. And when they die, they feel that as if they never lived. Which means people are planning and planning and planning and forgetting to enjoy, appreciate what is. Because indeed, we do not know. So if, if you, you are an adult, the one who wrote this email, and so you have to learn to live with that uncertainty. And that's why it's so important that you appreciate and enjoy every moment of your life. That's my answer. And of course, if you feel anxiety, angst, uh, that's the Latin word, the root of the word anxiety is angst, meaning to choke. Because um, even in ancient times, people understood that you cannot breathe when you're anxious. So address it as a physical event. And I already spoke about it. Focus on that anxiety. Focus on the sensation that you feel in your body. Like most of the time, it's either in the chest or in the stomach, in the head. Identify on a scale from 1 to 10 how great is that number, how great your choking or angst is. And then begin to breathe out slowly as if you're breathing out from that place. Breathing out slowly, breathing in normally. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. And you will find that you will come down. But don't go in, into your mind saying, yes, but what if? What if? Yes. Anything can happen and does. And this is life. You're an adult. You have to live with it. Okay. <laughs> We're 40 minutes into the show. I want to continue our journey into deeper understanding of the Bible. So far, we are on chapter 9, verse 19. We arrived to the time where the, the Noah uh, um, uh, settled um, out of the, of the ark uh, at Mount Ararat or in the area of Mount Ararat. And it's written at um, chapter 9, 19, uh, there were, here there were 
sons of Noah, and from this, the earth, the entire earth spread out. The Noah began to be a master of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Of all things, that's what happens. Noah is planting the vineyard. And then it's written a very interesting thing, to uh, verse 22, and Ham, uh, oh, 20, verse 21, and Noah, he, he drank of the vine, wine, and became drunk, and he uncovered himself within his tent. And verse 22 goes, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness, and he told his two brothers outside. Now, the question is, why there is a need to say Ham, the father of Canaan? Had, Ham had three sons, Cush, Mitzrayim, four sons, Cush, Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan. Also, so what is the purpose of mentioning uh, Canaan? Also, after this incident, we learn that Noah lived for another 350 years. His sons had children, and their children had children. And with many patriarchs, we, we read like this, and he had sons and daughters and so on. But Noah no longer has children. Uh, the conclusion the sages came to was that Canaan first discovered Noah. Uh, being drunk, being incapacitated. And that's why he's mentioned he's the son, even though he's the youngest son of Noah, uh, of, of Ham. And Canaan told about it to Ham, his father. And Ham, again, that's not directly written in the Torah, but it's written in Midrash. Ham castrated his father. Uh, in, there are other parts in the Torah when it's written that somebody's nakedness was uncovered, that meant that uh, somebody had sex with the person whose nakedness was uncovered. But here the decision they come to, or the supposition, was that because no one no longer had children, that Noah was castrated. And then we have, um, just, just think about it, we are beginning to learn the history of humanity after humanity was wiped out, and already there is dysfunction in the family. And as we go studying the Torah, you will see more and more that every single family that we discovered, uh, that we're studying, is absolutely dysfunctional. And nevertheless, God loves them. So if somebody, any of my listeners thinks, oh, my family was really screwed up. Everybody's family was screwed up, starting from the, from the Bible. So, and it's written, and Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his small son had done to him. Now we see that as humanity starts over, that's what is happening. And, uh, and also, not only that the son, one way or another, whether he castrates him or, or 
dishonors him, son disrespects the father. But also we learn that it's not good to to get intoxicated. Uh, wine is part, one of the staples that the Torah accepts is good for people because over and over it's written and you will get your uh, grain, your wine, and your oil. So these are the three major staples, your grain, your wine, and your oil. But if you drink too much wine, this is what happens. And then we read in uh, chapter 10, and these are generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japhet, and sons were born to them after the flood. Then we are given the lineage of all of them, generation after generation. And the sons of Ham were Cush, Mitzrayim, and Put, and Canaan. Interesting, the problematic child, Ham, has children like Mitzrayim and Canaan. Remember, Mitzrayim is a first name, but eventually the, the name of, that Hebrews have for Egypt is Mitzrayim. So Mitzrayim became the founder of what eventually became Egypt. And Canaan became the founder of what eventually became Canaan. And in Canaan, of course, they did human sacrifice, and Egypt became a regional superpower, which also had uh, slaves and, and um, abused people and so on and so on. So what we are, but the interesting thing here is, uh, as we follow genealogy of Ham, we see just like this one person who is disrespectful to his father or committed crime against his father, his offsprings are also off the road, so to speak. Because eventually, as we look, I'm not going to list it, like if a whole chapter goes of listing the offsprings of Ham, and it brings us all the way from Canaan all the way to Nimrod, King Nimrod. But before we go to the whole Nimrod story, uh, let me reiterate about intoxication. Drinking wine is okay. Intoxication in any form gives, brings, leads us to tragedy. Okay, then the whole genealogy still in chapter 10 is given to other sons. Uh, and then King Nimrod is important. We read in chapter 10, verse 10. Um, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babylon, of Nimrod's king, kingdom, was Babylon. In the year 1996, from Adam, some 350 years after the flood, Nimrod begins to build the Tower of Babel. That's a very important chapter in human history. The story of building uh, the tower goes through 10th chapter. It's interesting that this was time, it was, remember, uh, Bronze Age, and they discovered how to make bricks. That was already uh, Babylon. 
they discovered how to build bricks, to put them in the forms, you know, pour uh, whatever they, they used into bricks. Uh, it's interesting that the word brick in Hebrew is, uh, consists of three letters, Lamet, Vav, and Nun. And the word confusion consists of the same letters, just read in the reverse. Nun, Vav, Lamet. The people became arrogant and said, let us build a tower that will reach heavens. Now, I have to tell you, the Midrash is speaking about it. That is the, the later writings, not from the Torah. But the Midrash teaches that so great was the desire of the people to reach heaven, that is to defy God, to become powerful, that as they were building, and if a person fell down and got killed, nobody even noticed. But if a brick fell and broke, there was a whole investigation. And that reminded me of the Soviet Union, as they were building what they called the bright future for the humankind, the communism. Ordinary people were called the little bolts and screws of the great vehicle moving toward the communism. Vintiki Kalosiki, we called it. No God, just building something for the future became as God. The whole idea of building. But God made it clear. God made from the beginning clear boundaries separating light from darkness, heaven from earth, male from female. When human beings try to become more than human, they become less than human. Lord Acton pointed out that even the great city-states like Athens, which produced Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, self-destructed. When the possession of unlimited power exercised uh, in, in this unlimited way, all civilizations collapsed. What was wrong with Athens, he wrote, was the belief that there is no law superior than that of the state. The Torah teaches that there is no state or king or any authority who is above the law. Only when God is God can man be man. That means keeping heaven and earth distinct, separate, and under conscious sovereignty of God. And nobody is about God's law, above God's law. Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong attempted to become supreme, supreme lawgivers, and we know what it produced. So now we're getting to juiciest parts, most interesting parts of the Torah. We are getting closer to Abraham. Now we are on chapter 11. And they said, that's um, still in bubble. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
with its top in the heavens. And let us make ourselves a name, lest we be scattered upon the face of the earth. And God, Lord, descended to see the city and the tower that sons of men built. Uh, God has a sense of humor. Of course, we see here first time sarcasm. What does it mean, descended? God is everything and everywhere. And the Lord said, so uh, I, I will take, I will stop this building and withhold for them the idea that they put in their mind. Uh, you're getting it, I hope, ladies and gentlemen. When people are thinking uh, the same way, because God, they all, it's written here, and they all spoke the same language. And this, what God says, and this is what they thought of when they spoke the same language. That's what they conceived to defy God, right? When people are thinking the same way, and there is no discourse, no pol that's when we see political correctness, uniformity. Think of the cancel culture. We have seen unfolding this in, in this country. With one voice, they begin to feel they are the law. That's what, uh, that's what happens. When people have no possibility of dissent, then the ruling, whoever is running the show, becomes God. And of course, God says in verse 7, come let us descend and confuse their language so that one will not understand the language of his companion. And so, uh, people stopped uh, building the city. So the first lesson, and one of the first greatest lessons of humanity, humanity is uh, being humble. When you begin building anything that is separated from God, that defies God, Whatever is, whether, it's, whether it's your own self-image or, or company that you're building or project, anything that lacks God, godliness, and that is being humble and not thinking that you will become God, you will be able to run the whole show, that is all in your hands. It's destined to destruction. So there is actually one of the cards, you know, if you know tarot cards, uh, it's tower of destruction. When man become, uh, becomes uh, arrogant, whatever he builds, whatever she builds, is destined to destruction. So we'll continue our talk. Uh, we're, we're almost there on getting to the birth of Abraham. And they, from there on, there will be so many incredible, absolutely incredible lessons that we'll be learning. Uh, every little story from Abraham on to all the patriarchs and matriarchs uh, is not only a story that is uh, a historical event, but it's also an archetypal story for all human beings. Just like when Abraham leaves uh, Europe, his home, and goes into the unknown, where God says to him, leave your home and go away, I will tell you. We are all called 
to leave our home, to leave what is habitual, to leave what is comfortable, and make a leap into uncertainty. As my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, said, nothing of value happens unless you make a leap into uncertainty. So well, uh, next time, um, next week, we'll be starting, uh, we're already on verse, chapter 11, verse 25, uh, and we'll be talking about the birth of Abraham. And you know that Abraham is a progenitor of um, spiritual tradition that now, uh, I believe, almost four and a half billion people are following. So it's not by a chance that these traditions lived for that long. Uh, there are the great teachings within the tradition, and what we'll be studying is really foundation. So, of course, Abraham, the Muslims call it uh, Ibrahim, and uh, Ibrahim is for them uh, as much of a father as for Hebrews and for Christians. And now I have to conclude our uh, show today because my time ran out. Again, I am thankful to Gina who called, and I will be working on getting Edgar uh, a talk about Edgar Casey. I promise, Gina. Thank you very much, everyone, for being with me today. Uh, please send me emails at peter18 resnik, R-E-Z-N-I-K, peter18resnik at gmail.com, and also call with your calls. Again, I gave you the assignment to think of how the conflicts of today could be resolved, could be understood on a spiritual level, could be addressed on a spiritual level. I definitely will be preparing to answer also, to address also this question, but I would love to hear your opinion. Thank you for being with me today. Enjoy your life. Be good. Peace to all who want to live in peace. Adelante, get up, to the beat, adelante, to the beat, ay, segunda. Come on, baby, hit it, take it, move it, keep it, move it, rumba. I don't wanna do the mambo, salsa, tango, cumbia, cha-cha.